Let's pray and we'll get into the word this morning. Lord God, again, we thank you for who you are and all that you have done for us and all that you have brought us through. And we ask this morning that you would bless this time as we read your word, as we look at a story from long ago. I pray, Lord God, that we would see the relevance in our own lives and that we might use uh, these warnings and these encouragements to glorify you in our own life. And we pray this in your name. Amen. We'll open up to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Since it is a Thanksgiving, I thought we would take a little break and go through a text where I really think kind of encaptures the, the meaning of Thanksgiving. Again, Thanksgiving, as you know, and maybe, hopefully you know, is a time really that we just kind of, you know, sit back and reflect upon all that we have, isn't it? It's a time to, to thank God for the most part, for those of us in the church, I would say, Thank God for all that he has done for us, all that he has given us, and even for the place that we're in at this very moment. Again, I, I hope you use this time of the year to reflect upon those things and just thank God for all that he's done. And the story this morning, we're going to see that taking place as well. So in the book of Deuteronomy, specifically in this section, Moses is going to be speaking to the nation of Israel as they are just about to enter into the promised land. And he's going to give them some words of exhortation and encouragement and also warning as they're about to enter in the next phase of the nation's history. And again, it's kind of like what we should be doing now in our own lives as we again take this time to reflect upon what God has done for us, where he's brought us. And what's in store for us in the future. So I hope you see that this morning as we, as we read the text. And I'll stop along the way because it's a large section. We're going to read the entire chapter. So I'll make some observations. And at the very end, we'll come back and make some application. So again, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's start in verse 1. Again, this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, all the commands that I am commanding you today... You shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. Again, they're about to enter into the promised land that they were promised. Their forefathers were really promised back when they were in Egypt. And Moses is commanding them, hey, this is how we are to live once we get there. This is what God desires from us. And the first thing that he says, he says, be careful to do all that I commanded. So it's a remember all those things that I've commanded in the past up to this point. And Moses is obviously getting this from the Lord. So the Lord gave to Moses some commands and Moses is passing them along to the nation of Israel. And he wants them to be careful to do everything that he has told them or that God has told them. Why? So that they may live and multiply and go in and possess this land. There's this great promise for the nation of Israel that's before them. And so in order for them to take that, they have to do what God has called them to do. And in addition to keeping all of God's commandments, Moses wants them to be mindful and to remember a few things as they go into the land, because this is going to help them in their walk with the Lord. And look at what he says in verse 2. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments 
or not. So Moses wants them to reflect on how God has been leading them over the past, obviously here, 40 years. And if you don't know, a little background. So the nation of Israel was in Egypt for quite some time in slavery. And Moses was raised up to bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And so that's what the the previous books record that chapter in Israel's life. And so Moses wants him to take a moment here before we go forward to kind of look back and remember what the Lord has done over these past 40 years in their life. And specifically, he wants them to see how the Lord has led them. So there's just a hint. Hey, as we ourselves look back in our own lives, you can kind of you kind of see how God has led you along the way, you know, across the bumps and and maybe even bruises that you may have in your life, so to speak. At the time, you didn't understand. But now there's a time to stop and reflect and look back how God has moved in your life and got you to this point where you are today. And this is what Moses is telling the nation Israel. And he gives them a few examples of how God led them. And the first one that he says to them is in verse 2 again. He says, The Lord has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he humbled you and tested you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So God, according to Moses here, is telling telling the nation of Israel, in the past God humbled you in such a way to reveal your own heart to yourself. As you look back on your life, you guys can see, he's telling them, how God revealed your true character. Because as we go through struggles in our own lives, isn't that when our true character is revealed, who we are and how we trust the Lord Or maybe we look back and say, man, I didn't trust the Lord in that instance. And I can see that. And you look back and and you're humbled. You're right. I didn't I didn't. Maybe I didn't come through as best that I should or how I wanted. And so he's wanting the nation of Israel to look back and say, God led you through that, even though you might not have trusted him. Even though you made some mistakes, God was still leading you to show you your heart. And and that should humble you. And so. Let's move on, looking at verses 3 and 4. So that's just one way that the Lord led them, to humble them, to reveal their heart to them. The second way is that he humbled them to demonstrate their need for him. Look at this. Look at verses 3 through 4. He says, and he humbled you and led you, and excuse me, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. So for 40 years, he's reminding them that God led us through the wilderness up to this point, and he fed us every day with manna. And the clothes that we were wearing, we still have on. None of them have you know, fallen off, so to speak. And could you imagine walking for 40 years, how your feet would feel? He's saying, your feet have not swole. He's showing them, hey, look how I provided for you for 40 years. You didn't have food. You didn't have clothing. You didn't have anything to protect your health. But I protected you. And I want you to know that it was me and me alone who did it. Again, he's showing the nation of Israel how God led them. That God wants you to see that you need to rely on him. You need to trust God for his provision. And all these miracles that God did for you. If you remember the story about manna, every morning they would wake up 
and there would be this food or substance of some sort that would, that would keep them going called manna every morning. And they were to take everything that they had at that time and they were to eat it all and they weren't allowed to save it or store it for the next day because it would go bad. It was daily that the Lord provided for the nation of Israel. He provided food, he provided, he provided clothing, and he protected them in, in regards to their health by talking about their feet not swelling. So again, he's reminding the nation of Israel, look back how God watched over you and led you through this past 40 years. He humbled you to reveal your heart. He humbled you to demonstrate that you need him, that you cannot do it on your own. And thirdly, he also disciplined you or trained you. Look at verses 5 through 9 next. He says this, Thus you are to know in your heart, the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water and fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. So God is saying, hey, all these past 40 years, or Moses is telling them, God has been disciplining us and since training us for the future and isn't that a way that we look back on our own lives that god allows things to happen in our lives to prepare us for what is coming next we didn't see it at the time but as we stop and reflect and look back you can see how god was with you the entire way even when you stopped and took detours if you know the nation of israel they should have been to the promised land a lot sooner than 40 years i think it was within weeks But God was training them and was leading them, disciplining them, humbling them. They needed to rely. He needed to show them that you guys have to rely on me when you have nothing. Because as you see in a few moments, when you have everything, I don't want you to forget me. You have to rely on me for your very substance. And you have to rely on me for what is in store ahead of time. So again, before they go into this promised land, he wants them to look back and reflect how God has led them over these 40 years. And now he's going to talk about the future, that once they're in the promised land, he wants them to remember how God has blessed them and is going to keep them. And that's going to be verses 10 through 20. So let's look at that now, starting in verse 10. So he says, when you have eaten, so now they're going to be in this, he's talking about when you guys get to this new promised land. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Again, for 40 years they've been in the desert and they had to go day by day. And now God is saying you're going to be full. He just described what the promised land is going to look like. They're going to have everything that they need. It's going to go a lot smoother now. We really know that doesn't happen because of the way that they live. But potentially, if you do what God says, hey, this is what's going to happen. He's preparing them. And he wants them to first to remember to bless God for all that they have. And again, that's what we do at Thanksgiving, right? We, we stop, we reflect on God, all that God has given us. I hope we do. And thank him for that. 
I mean, we do that at, at most meals or all of our meals, right? We thank God for what he's given us. And there's a reason why we do that. And I'm going to point that out as we go through the rest of the text. But again, he wants them to remember that when they get into this promised land, when they're satisfied, when they're full, to bless the Lord, their God. And look at verse 11. He says, beware. So here comes the warnings to them. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. So what is he saying right here? He's saying, hey, when you guys get into the promised land, so for 40 years you've been suffering, struggling, and now you finally have what you've been praying for, don't forget me. How often do we do that with our Lord? We're praying for something. And then when he finally gives it to us, we stop praying. We stop relying on the Lord. Right? Somebody in our family is sick and they need healing. And we're praying and we're praying. And we even start going to church. We start going to all the Bible studies. We're praying multiple times a day. And then once that person is healed, then what? God's, that's similar in the same te- context here of verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord once you're satisfied and fulfilled. And this is not only an exhort- a warning, but it's an exhortation how each and every one of us can be reminded to stay close to the Lord. This is how we stay faithful to him, by not forgetting what he's done for us. All through the Old Testament, the rest of this story in the Old Testament, you see over and over again how God provides for the nation of Israel and then they forget about him. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. This is an example of what happens when you forget the Lord and you stop following his commandments. Judges, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. says this, and speaking of the sons of Israel. Now, this is after they've gone into the promised land and have lived there for quite some time. So then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Look at verse 12. And they forsook the Lord their God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. What we're talking about. Here's the warning. Don't forget what God has done. Here's an example of them forgetting. And they forsook the Lord their God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from whom excuse me, from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus, they provoked the Lord to anger. That sentence can be read throughout the next five or six books of the Old Testament where the nation of Israel over and over again gets into predicament, cries out to God, God delivers them, and then they forget about the Lord. And they get into trouble again, and then they cry out to the Lord again, and God in his faithful Uh, love towards them, saves them once again. But the warning that Moses is telling the nation before they get into the promise says, don't forget the Lord. You want to stay close to God? Stop forgetting about him. So quickly, we even as believers can forget about the Lord once we get on with our daily life. How many of us, once we leave church, don't remember the Lord? We forget about him. We go about our lives as if, I'll see you next Sunday, Lord. The biggest example of this can be found in, in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Probably one of the biggest failures was King Solomon. 
who did exactly this. Look at what it says about King Solomon. He was a man blessed with so much wisdom and talent, all given to him by God. And unfortunately, he misused it. And look what it said about him in 1 Kings chapter 11. It says, now King Solomon lived, excuse, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, a Moabite, an Ammonite, an Edomite, a Sidonian, and Hittite women. So King Solomon was told very early in his life, don't go after foreign women because they're going to turn you away from the Lord. And he went after all these women. As a matter of fact, verse, look at verse 2. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate for you, for they will surely turn your hearts away after their gods. Scripture is clear about the believer dating non-believers. I'm going to take this into the New Testament. It says, do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. Why? Because you're go- they're going to turn your hearts from following after the Lord. You see this over and over again where people say, well, I'm going to start bringing him or her to church. That's usually not what happens. What happens is you stop going to church. So it's a little warning. Let's look at Solomon again, going back to Solomon now. Verse 2. Solomon held fast to these in love, these women that turned his heart. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord as the heart of his father David had been. For Solomon went after the Asherah, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord faithfully as David, his father, had done. Again, because he forgot about God, he started going after every other thing that he that he was associated with. And his heart was eventually turned from God totally. Now, we don't know if Solomon ever repented, but that's a sad statement about King Solomon, who started out with so much potential And what happens? He didn't stay faithful. He took his eyes off the Lord and started to fall away. So this is why Moses, going back to our text in in, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, is warning the nation of Israel, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Stay faithful to him. Let's drop down to verse 12 and pick up the second exhortation that Moses gives to the people. So he wants them to bless the Lord for all that... he has given them. He wants them to stay faithful to the Lord. And verses 12 through 16 talks about remembering what the Lord has done in your life. So there should be a constant remembrance. There should be things in our lives where we're always remembering where God has brought us from and what God has done in our past. We should not forget about that. This, again, will help us to always stay close to the Lord and to always be thankful for what he's done in our life. And so in verses 12 through 16, he reminds them here that when they get into this promised land, that they don't forget about the work the Lord has done in their life. Look at verse 12. So we'll read through to verse 16. He says, otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, 
So he's telling them, hey, once you get into this promised land and everything's going great in your life, look at what he says. Then, this is what happens if you forget about the Lord. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought you water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna with your fathers, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. So he's reminding them, hey, once you have everything, don't let your heart become so proud that you forget where you came from and what God has done for you. Remember what the Lord has done for you. That will keep you in an attitude of gratitude. You will constantly be reminded of how blessed you are, what God has done for you, and you won't take his, the credit away from him, which we'll see in a moment. The people of the Lord show gratitude to him. How? By living obedient lives. We do the same thing. How could we ever say thank you to the Lord enough for what he's done for us? By being obedient. Those of us that are parents, don't we feel the same way with our, with our children? How do they show gratitude to us? Just by being obedient. Doing what we tell them to do. Asking them to do what we tell them to do. Not by being disobedient. Right? That doesn't show that they're very grateful for the things that we've done for them. How much more so in our lives for the Lord our God. All that he's done for us. And yet we turn from him and forget about him. Forget all that he's done for us. And if we do that, it continues to get worse. Look at verses 17 through 18 now. So, remember to bless God for all that you have, he's telling the nation of Israel, so that you stay faithful to him, so you don't forget about the work in your life that he's done. And thirdly, so you don't become prideful. Look at verses 17 through 18. He says, otherwise, so if you've done all these things that I tell you, which are wrong, he says, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. So you see what's happening. Once they get into the promised land, he's reminding them, don't become so comfortable and forget the Lord so much that you say, look what I did. I built this, all that I have. They forgot that God brought them from nothing and gave them all this and put them in this great land and blessed them. They now take that, the uh, honor that's due to God and take it for themselves. Do you see that? Don't sit back and say, look what I have built. Look what I have done. No, we should be thankful that God has given us this, given us the ability to work, given us the ability to, to think, keeping us healthy. So many times I think we, we tend to forget how close to death we are. Think about this in your life. Did God, were you, did you get to choose what country you were born in? No, we didn't. None of us did. God put us in particular area for specific reasons, and we should be thankful for that. I mean, think of all the countries that we could live in. Yesterday we were trying to explain to my little son, Jonathan, what a third world country is. He didn't understand why they call it a third world country and what does that mean. And as I was looking at that, I'm like, those poor children that we were looking at the time, 
They didn't get to decide where they lived. God put them there for whatever purpose. And sometimes I think we forget that we are so blessed in this country for what we have, we should not boast about all that we have done. Because it is God who put you here. How close were we to not getting a job? How many of us are blessed to even, all of us are blessed to even be breathing at this moment? We don't know how close to death each and every one of us are. Life is so fragile. We should never boast about anything except about what God is doing for us, what God has given us. Thank God that he's given me the ability to work where I work. Even if you could say, well, I don't really like where I work. Well, be thankful you have a job. It could be worse. I'm always reminding people at my work that like to complain. I said, well, at least you have a job. You know, I mean, you're not doing something really physically tough, you know. Or you could have been born in a different era. You could have been born in like the 1800s and really struggled. It's all about perspective sometimes. We need to think about where we are. And again, that's what Moses is telling the people of Israel It's perspective. Look at our ancestors. For 40 years, God brought them through this. And even some of us now, he's saying, don't forget what God has done in our lives that we come so proud that we forget about God. He wants them to remember this. I think the psalmist in Psalm 100 verse 3 says it correctly. You could turn there with me. Psalm 100 verse 3 says this. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist right there is truly humble. He realizes that I didn't create myself. I didn't bless myself with this great uh, whatever you have in your life. God gave you the ability to earn it and sustain it, and by his grace, you still have it. The psalmist said that correctly. And God, or in Moses, wants the nation of Israel to remember this so that they, why? Does he want them to do this so they don't fall away from the Lord? Because he knows the end result. And that's what we'll close with this morning. Look at verse 20, or 19 and 20, I should say. And it says this. Back in our text, and it shall come after. It shall come after if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today. It's a stern warning to them that you will surely perish like the nations the Lord makes to perish before you. And you so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord. Again, this time of year, we should remember what God has done for us. We should be thankful for all that we have and not forget him. Never forget him. Even when God gives you so much money and so much comfort and such good health, I pray this morning that you never forget him. So as far as application is concerned, let's just make a few points here. Number one, each and every one of us this morning, especially at this time of the year, but as Izzy said in his prayer at the very beginning, every day we should thank the Lord. And specifically, we should thank the Lord for our past. Why? Because some of us may be saying, well, my past isn't that great. 
And I don't want to thank him for that. As a matter of fact, sometimes I'm mad about it. Well, God was in control of your past. And I don't know why he did what he did or why he allowed certain things into your life, but we know if you're his child, he was in control of it. And even if you're not his child, he was in control of it. Thank the Lord for your path or your past. And here's one reason why we should all do that. Because he made us aware of our sinfulness. And we're talking before we believe we're believers now. It wasn't until that we realized that we were sinful that we came to the Lord. And only he is the one who can open our eyes to see that. So thank the Lord for your past. Secondly, thank the Lord for your past because he makes you aware that you need him. Those of us who have come to the Lord at some point in our life realize that I need him. I can't do this on my own. I can't reconcile myself to God on my own. I need what he has done for me. So we should thank him for that. Thirdly, we should thank him for training us to rely on him. So all those things in our past life, or our past, I should say, that we look upon now, Again, just like the nation of Israel, God was doing that to train us, to discipline us, just like a father does to his son. Again, for parents, there are things that we train our children. We discipline them as well, right? So that we can train them so that when they go out on their own, they'll be able to do things on their own. So they won't step into the same mistakes that they did as children. So we train them and God does the same things for us. And that's why we should thank him for our past, even though we may not understand that we know God can use that and does use all things for his good. He's training us. And again, sometimes we can look back on our lives, right? And we can see, yeah, I, I can see why God allowed me to do that. And now he's got me in this place and that helped me get here. Because God's training us. He's disciplining us. Why? So that we rely on him so that when we finally arrive, wherever it is where we think we have arrived, we continue to trust him. We don't forget about him. So thank the Lord for your path. Fourthly, we thank him because he was training us for something in the future as well. The things that we're going through right now that the Lord has allowed in our lives, he's going to use us, use those things to build us in our faith in the future as well. God does not stop working in our lives. God continues. Scripture says that he's faithful to complete in us what he started until the day of redemption. So God's going to continue to work in our lives as we trust him and don't forget about him. So everything in our life, God's going to use for his good and for his glory. Don't let it stop you and get you down. Look at that as, hey, this is an opportunity to grow and to learn in our life and trust God even more, even though I don't realize what he's doing. God has put each and every one of us in this room at this moment for a certain reason. Maybe there's certain parts of the sermon that are speaking to you that that touch you just exactly where you are. I have no doubt God's word can do that. And he's training you for what lies ahead. Secondly, So we thank the Lord for our past. Let us also thank the Lord for what we have right now. So we can thank him for what he's brought us through. And now all that we have, we should thank him. Remember the nation of Israel. Moses warned them, once you're satisfied, once you've arrived, 
don't forget the Lord. And that same thing holds true for us today. We should thank the Lord for what we have right at this moment because it helps us stay faithful to him. It reminds us that God has given this to me. And, and we, we stay in an attitude of gratitude. Where we're always thanking the Lord for what we have. And it helps us to stay close to him. I know sometimes maybe, maybe when you pray, you think it gets redundant to pray over every meal or something. But there's no promises that you are going to eat a next meal. I mean, I don't mean to be so morbid or like, man, Robert, you're all about death, dude. What's going on? But really, that helps you keep perspective on life. It helps you be grateful for every breath you breathe. And you realize that the Lord gave that to me. I didn't create my own breath. I didn't create my own life. I didn't, you know, create my own food or, or whatever it is that I have, that God gave it to me. And it should help me and remind me to stay faithful to him because of all that he's done for me. Secondly, thank the Lord for all that we have so that we don't forget his works in our life. Again, if you're always thanking the Lord for what he's done for you in your life, you're going to stay close to him. You're not going to forget what he's done in your past. Even those things that we don't understand and maybe things that we don't like. And it looks like that was totally couldn't have been God's will. God can use it for his glory to make us stronger, to help us to trust him even more. Thirdly, thank the Lord for all that we have so that we don't become prideful. Again, I've mentioned this over and over again already, but we don't want to get to a point where in our lives where we have everything and we stop thanking God for it and we think we did it. And we become prideful of what we have or what we own or what we can do. Again, Thanksgiving, again, is a time that we reflect on all that we have and praise God for it. Not just pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah, I did a good job. Look where I am. Look how I succeeded over this person and that person. Again, I like what Moses here says in Deuteronomy where he says, God gave you the strength to do it. That's what we should thank God for. Lord, thank you for giving me the strength to get up every day, to go to work, to drive safely to work, to do my job that I can read and write and understand that I can walk. We forget those little things that so easily can be taken from us. Again, these things help us to stay close to the Lord and to not become prideful. And finally, and I would say most importantly, thank the Lord, thank the Lord for all that we have so that we don't fall away. Remember that stern warning that Moses gave the nation of Israel. Let me read that to you one more time in verse 19. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God. And we could take this as an exhortation to each and every one of us this morning. If we ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods, remember Solomon, his heart got turned. Now, you may not join another religion, but there are other gods in our world, the God of success, the God of relationship, the God of entertainment, the God of money, right? Those things take the place of God, the God of sports. I mean, whatever you want to call it, it may not seem like a bad thing, but those things can become our God. Let me read that again. If it shall come to pass that you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you shall surely perish. 
That's the ultimate falling away from God. If we serve other gods and go after other things and worship them in the place of God, that promise holds true for each and every person in this world. We shall perish. Not only from the face of this earth, but for all eternity out of the presence of God into eternal torment. That is a great exhortation that I pray we will never forget. Now I say this, if you're God's child, you will not fall away. But it is always good to be thankful to God that I don't fall away and that you hold on to me and that my faith is assured in you. So again, this uh, Thanksgiving, let us always remember to thank the Lord for our past and to thank the Lord for what we have. And let us never, ever, ever forget who the Lord our God is. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this text this morning. As the Apostle Paul told us that these things were written in the Old Testament to, as examples for us. And I pray this morning as we read about the historical account of the nation of Israel, as they stood on the edge of going into the promised land, that we too would heed these warnings and these exhortations. That we would always be thankful for what you have brought us through, for what you have brought us to and where you are taking us. And may we never forget about you, even in the midst of success. May we not forget about you. May we not forget about you even in the midst of tragedy. Because just as you led the nation of Israel through 40 years of of suffering and walking through the desert, you too lead us in our lives. Through every aspect of our life, you are God. May we trust in you. And may we never forget about you, Lord. And we look forward to that day when you will return And reward us for staying faithful because of your grace. So we look forward to that day, Lord God, and ask that it would come quickly, Lord Jesus. Help us again to be thankful during this time. And may we be a witness to all those people that we may be interacting with over this next week. May we glorify you with our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for this time. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.